Weston tonight. I'm joined by Ireland's premier Instagram model, our good friend from across <laughs> the pond, uh, Luke. How are you doing tonight, uh, man? Hello, hello, everyone. Hit me up on IG. It's uh, Big Baller Twenty Six. Uh, you know, if you want to see those wonderful, wonderful videos of me making cereal in the morning. <laughs> or uh, there you go. Or I mean, I guess like what the Instagram influencers are doing right now are wearing floppy hats and going out in the Mojave and ruining the desert. I don't know if the Irish equivalent would be to that. I assume, like, um, I don't know, mowing a yard, mowing some, like, where, really nice green grass. <laughs> yes, traver- traversing some rolling hills while wearing, a fl- uh, like, a flat top hat or something, like or like a flat peak cap. Yeah, and I don't know how you would ruin it, but they've, I don't know, maybe they're riding their car around on top of it or something. <laughs> just just, just, some, just something absurd. Yeah, so if you, if you didn't know, I guess you probably don't know, but... Uh, we're doing tonight's show because we made a, a very big and important decision that will have ripples throughout the entire galaxy, not since the Big Bang itself, as there have been decisions that's monumental because us here at Battle Red Blog and SB Nation's uh, 2019 NFL Mock Draft had the 23rd pick in it because we represent the football team from Houston, who also has the 23rd pick, and we selected Greedy Williams, the cornerback from LSU, uh, together as a group. So... Before we start talking about Greece specifically, I uh, picked ahead of them. These are the offensive tackles and quarterbacks selected. Miami took Juwan Taylor. Atlanta took Jonah Williams. Carolina took Andre Dillard. Minnesota took Cody Ford. Tennessee took Garrett Bradbury. Pittsburgh took Byron Murphy. And then we took uh, Greedy Williams. And I would say like 80% were, very, were happy and content with this pick, and uh, some weren't. So what do you like about uh, Greedy, Luke? So... For me, I think the best thing about Greedy as a whole is that he brings something to the Texans defense, which they've quite frankly lacked um, over the past couple of years in terms of he brings both length, height and long speed, not to mention the fact that he comes from a LSU system, which is actually run on cover for the past two seasons. Um, their defensive coordinator, whose name is just eluding me here for a quick, for a quick second, um, What's the second? Dave, Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda, thank you very much. Uh, he runs a combination of both cover four and cover one. However, much or like unlike the Texan system, he actually preaches cover four in terms of having his corners play man to man coverage. So and actually they press at the line, which is kind of which kind of makes sense considering like both Greedy's height and his wingspan and his ability to kind of just get physical off the line. But however, when he's been asked to step off into off man coverage and try and read and react. He does it very well. His length, again, is a big, big plus in terms of getting into passing lanes and being able to essentially just jar ball, jars ball, jar balls loose or even just, you know, disrupting any kind of potential reception. Um, he, like, the Texans' corners currently on the roster in regards to Aaron Colvin, uh, Brian Bado Calhoun, and Bradley Roby have all succeeded at various points in their careers as plot corners more than anything else. And... The Texans outside of Jonathan Joseph have really lacked a true outside corner. 
And Gree kind of does offers this more than anything else. It allows for the Texans to really build on a part of their defense, which has been extru- sorely lacking over the past couple of years, and also allows them to move some of these, let's say, more troublesome corners or maybe not as uh, talented corners to their position to a position which doesn't require as much of them. And you know they've had success in the past, so that's why Greedy is really more of a plus plus for the Texans in terms of. He gives the t- the defense something that they sorely need, while also alleviating some of the pressure at the current position. Yeah, yeah, and I I think my favorite trait from Greedy is how he plays the ball. Like <clears throat> I, he's one. I mean, I, I was gonna say he's one of the best uh, college quarterbacks I've seen playing the ball in the air. But I, don't, I haven't watched any college quarterbacks aside from Greedy. <laughs> I think in my entire life. Uh, but yeah, like Greedy. Like one of the things that's really fun about watching him is how he high points the ball, how he comes over receivers to play the ball. Like, and even whenever he misses and gives up a touchdown, it's so close and so difficult to make the catch. A really good example was uh, against Texas A&M last year. They ran a post route. He was the outside corner. He got crossed in his own. He got crossed in front of his own guy, who it looked like they were running some sort of zone where the slot corner was supposed to take him. He came across outside. Greedy has to react and try comes comes across. He like tries to play the ball with his right hand, and as the receiver takes the ball into his left hand to go, uh, yeah, takes the ball into his left hand to go down. He actually rips the rips his arm around, hits the ball in his left arm, but just is barely unable to jar it out. And it's like even a touchdown pass that's wide open becomes extremely difficult against him because of how well he plays the ball in the air and how uh, how great he is at contesting the catch. And even in that Ole Miss game he played last year against the two big, you know, cyborgs at uh, Brown and. Metcalf, he was out playing the ball against those two guys. They couldn't run any any fade routes at all against them. They couldn't run any nine routes against them. All of their uh, like you know herky jerky movement, they try to like slow him down. Double moves didn't work at all. Like Williams ran with them completely, and I, I think he ran like a four three eight forty, and he is just as fast. Uh, he is as fast as all these other receivers at all, especially the premier ones in uh, this year's class too. So there's like there's no athletic questions at all with him either. He's going to be, like, he can step in and play. I think immediately you don't have to worry at all about a guy, like, getting burnt deep or uh, losing because of any athletic you know, issues at all either. And I'm going to bring that up, too, just because Houston is known for having cornerbacks or has cornerbacks right now that are, you know, have bad feet or and then they got slow and lost them or just slow or just bad in general. And so having, like, a, a really a- athletic outside cornerback, I think, is a, kind of like a, a life changer for him. Yeah, and there, and there, you're gonna hit the nail on that there. Where it's there, are, there are some plays that you can kind of that you can get away with on technique alone in terms of if your positioning is correct, if you're able to not get fooled by any head fakes or any body fakes on the receiver's part, you can kind of cover a thing. However, if you get like blown by, or if you just bite on a fake so hard and you don't have the prerequisite athleticism to actually be able to recover from any of those slots, then it just compounds the mistake even further. Greedy's in that really kind of unique position where he's athletic enough that he can actually make a mistake, and he does on occasion. He will bite sometimes on an ins- or sorry, on an outside release from a receiver before they fake inside, especially on slants. Mm-hmm. Um, he does that a couple of times too. But when, even like you kind of said, he comes over the top of the ball. So even if he's running from behind or if he's playing from behind, he's still not out of a play because he can recover so quickly and he can get back into the play. So the value of that alone is, is just instrument. It's so, so important for the Texans in terms of being able to protect against the deep ball and also being a, allowing him to make mistakes 
but not be able to essentially just get compounded for on them over and over again. Like I was kind of thinking about it in terms earlier today, if you were looking for an interesting kind of uh, idea of what greedy might be like as a, as a player or even like where you might fit in the NFL, I think maybe about three or four years ago when Seattle's cover three defense was really going strong and you had the big massive hulking corners with, you know, their big height and wingspan. I think greedy would have, probably fit into the bill quite similarly to that in that he's great in press but he can also work very well in a mirror and off Mm -hmm. so that he offers that same kind of versatility but his instincts when it comes to playing deep and being able to mark to essentially keep eyes on the quarterback and where the ball is that's what's really really important for the texans in particular yeah yeah i'm really glad you mentioned that point too about his ability to uh, get beat and have the athleticism catch up because you kind of see that sometimes with them where He'll break on the curl, and then the wide receiver tries to you know, spin back outside and run past him uh, for a deep pass. And you know, Greedy has the ability to turn back and chase and, and make a play on the ball still. And then his ability to high, pull on the, high point the ball and compound it. Like, he's never out of a play. Like, even if he loses uh, your coverage or is chasing, he's not out of a play at all whatsoever. And uh, that's one of the more exciting things about his performance, too. Yeah, and considering, considering what's what the status of the roster is like right now in terms of the Texans could actually be like perhaps reasonably not require his services that intensely straight off the bat. They could actually sit him for, for a little while or even just have him play in a, like a lesser role, tweak some of the maybe mechanical issues that he's got or some, or allow him to essentially get better, better acquainted with some of the coverage schemes that Romeo Cornell runs. So there's no, impetus on him just jumping straight in away and like taking over one of the outside corner positions on opposite Jonathan Joseph or Bradley Roby, Roby, whomever it may be. But it gives the Texans more so than anything. And this is kind of the, one of the big reasons that I, that I've been advocating so strongly for corner um, with one of the Texans first picks is that beyond this year, the Texans covered is bare and will be, and will be there with, with tackle, we can make a reasonable argument in that, okay, they do have some bad pieces who are still young, but there is potential for them to at least kind of pseudo-develop. The Texans have nothing at corner, and they've not had it for a while. So Greedy as a whole, and what Greedy, what greedy does, is he actually gives us something to look forward to in terms of, this is what we can potentially have down the line, this is what we, we can potentially deal have like to essentially work work with in terms of shaping the defense, and also, he gives the Texans a fixture at outside corner, something which they have not had since AJ Boye. Yeah, and even that fixture was a was a meteor. It was a it was it was a, <laughs> it very was a short. Brief, it was very short. Yeah, it was a brief shooting star. Yeah. Um, if, any, if anything else. Yeah, this type of thing you know, Shakespeare would write about. Uh, instead, we get to write about. But yeah, the, the other thing about uh, greedy too that we need to talk about. I guess two things. One, I know you said he, you mentioned playing press coverage and cover three. I think he's very good at both. I think he plays press very well. He turns and runs really well too. Also, I like how he's always in control just about every route. Like when it comes to somebody trying to beat him with athleticism, he, he's ahead of him on just about every you know go route, uh, every post, every outside breaking route. And, uh, and, like, he doesn't really ever get beat. And whenever he does, it's usually because he's breaking on something aggressively and the guy takes off he's able to recover well. And then Price, like, he, I think he does have a strong upper body. And you see, especially on the goal line, too, like the way he 
doesn't allow himself to be boxed out by wide receivers. Uh, and we'll, we'll have to talk about that probably in like two minutes. But I do think he's not the best at playing like off-man coverage where he's sitting there and he's having to diagnose a route and then break on it, like the whole Jonathan Joseph thing that he was so good at and what mm-hmm. Kevin Johnson was good at for like two years. So like it, And that's kind of the question here in Houston is like you mentioned where Tex, the Texans usually play cover four or they play off-man. They don't play a lot of press. They play you know, cover three occasionally. But in a situation where you have Greedy playing the way he does, uh, I mean, I think he's the, he's the guy that you don't want playing off man. Like, you don't want him diagnosing routes and uh, breaking on the ball. And if he does, that's not a skill that he has currently. And he may develop that in the future, you know, playing in an in a, in a NFL defense and all that sort of thing. But uh, at the moment, like, I don't see that as a, as a very good strength for him. I think that's one of his, you know, poor qualities. But, again, like, the defense that he plays in doesn't have to play him like that. He can play press. He can play cover four. He can play cover three. And then just kind of keep him off man, and off man is just kind of a coward's coverage, anyways, and just leads to a lot of uh, you know, first and ten completions for eight yards, you know. Yeah, I, I, I like the description of coward's coverage. I th- one of the interesting it's things a, it's I a think ty- it's a Tyron Matthew coverage, is what it is. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure that has nothing to do with the fact that he's blocked you on Twitter. Um, what what I'm what you did what you did raise there in regards to press v off man, I do think it might be interesting to know. Just if Romeo Cornell's defense minded terms change of assignment for Greedy um, once once he were to get into that system, because Romeo Cornell hasn't had a corner who can do the kind of things that Greedy can do. Like they've in his time here, maybe Kevin Johnson was that for like a brief mo- brief moment before he just got injured. But I mean, AJ Boye also, but Boye was better on the sort of off man read react. I'd be I'd be curious to see if he would adjust his um, cornerback alignment with Greedy on the roster. I think it would serve. I think it would better serve to for Greedy's development if he were to actually do a little bit more off man before so. But if you were looking to just create the best defense, the best iteration of it straight off the bat, then yeah, put him in press. Put him in press, man. Let him get on top of receivers. Let him push them towards the sideline, and then you know, watches some watches the quarterback tries to you know put it in the bucket over his head and just get picked or have it have it swallowed away five times at a time yeah and i think it's also uh i always hate when i say the podcast yeah i think so also or yeah i think this too over and over again but what roby was good at too was not was playing press coverage as long as he didn't have to jam anybody like for whatever <laughs> reason like he couldn't jam the line of scrimmage you're like, I understand why you can't do this when actually you tackle really well. Like, you're a pretty tough player. But he could play press whenever he was reading and reacting. And he could play, um, but he wasn't very good in off-man coverage at all. If I remember the thing I wrote, like, two months correctly. Like, he didn't do that good of a job, like, sitting off off, off the route, uh, reading the route, and then breaking on the ball, making a play on it. It wasn't really anything that he was all that great at doing either. And so, like, now with Houston, they were in a situation where they have Greedy, they have Bradley Roby. This is definitely an offense that you press on the outside. You play, you know, probably cover one. And then whenever you're afraid on, like, third and ten, can be deep or whatever, you play cover three, which is something that, you know, Roby actually played pretty well sparingly whenever Denver ran it. And, uh, and Williams played pretty well also, too. And, like, even then, I think Greedy is a perfect uh, type of corner to play opposite of Roby because Roby's not – if he's covering and the other teams are on corner every week, you're screwed. Like, it's a terrible situation to be in. Roby's fine, or he's like really good as the third best corner with uh, Chris Harris and a, a keep to leave around, but he's not going to be good as the number one corner on a cornerback group with Brian Body Coleman, Aaron Colvin, 
and the 73-year-old Jonathan Joseph. And so I think, too, just by adding Greedy, you have another outside cornerback, another guy who can cover number one wide receivers, so you have to have Roby following around, uh, somebody a massive disadvantage to him. And that's also, like you said, too, the Texans don't have any cornerbacks after this year. They have uh, Coleman on a one-year deal. Joseph, I think, is on the last year of a two-year deal. And again, he's 73 years old, and uh, Unicorn Blend's a fitted resource. Roby's on one-year contract. And then Colvin's on you know, the second year of, I think, a three-year contract. And even then, he may not be, and he may not play after this year. So the Texans need to have some sort of like tangible uh, player, some sort of tangible cornerback talent to exist in the future. And like they need to be able to cover whenever Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt don't get there immediately as well, too. Exactly. And let, let us not forget, we currently exist in a division with Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. That's important. And, yeah. uh, and Nick Foles, I guess, if, depending on how you feel. I think <laughs> it's going to be a disaster. And he has no wide receiver talent. And uh, they'll draft the tackle probably in the first round. And then Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill, my favorite quarterback group in football, because it's <laughs> two 37-year-old men who will always be interesting quarterback prospects. Yeah, just the... Like unlimited tangential potential that is regarding Marcus Mariota is, I, I I honestly wanted to like I just want him to constantly tease it like for two weeks he'll throw like eight touchdowns no interceptions then he'll get injured but everyone will be just like oh man he was so good for those two weeks yeah no I I <laughs> I, I, I do fear Big Dick Nick though uh, at at some point but again what killed the Texan season wasn't or sorry. What killed the Texan seasons was a variety of things. However, what actually killed it, like in physical, like in, I think it was the, the playoff game against the Colts, that was T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck. So having having some kind of help towards that is, I think, important more than anything else. Yeah, and do you th- I think Greedy could run with Hilton as well, too. I think Roby would struggle run with Hilton. You know, see Juju Smith-Schuster last year, see Antonio Brown mm-hmm. last year, see Tyreek Hill last year. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill was just diabolical against everybody last year. Yeah, and no one no one can run with Tyreek Hill. <laughs> my favorite, I think my, one of my favorite matchups last year was Tyreek Hill versus um, Adoree Jackson in Tennessee because it's like this is the fastest oh, no. corner in the league. He runs a 4-2. This is Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill is just hilariously faster than him. Yeah, I just I just remember that I think it was like week one or week two, the, the screen pass he took against San Diego. And he just cut it back upfield, and it was just like, well, he's gone. <laughs> just, just watching him run away from guys who probably run like four three, four four, and it's just like this is so stupid and so fun at, yeah. at equal measure. Yeah, he's pretty unbelievable. But I do think Greedy can run with any of the wide receivers in the division, and like I think with just about any receiver in the league, aside from like the super freaks like you know Tyreek Hill, who nobody can run with at all. Uh, I think Roby struggles with that in that fact, but you know again, it's not just Roby having to cover T. Y. Hilton for an entire game. You have a more tell on the outside opposite of him as well, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, it, one, th- one thing which just struck me there was that was uh, the idea of the, Texan, of the Texans' best, or sorry, last two free agency signings at cornerback being the third best corners on the last two teams that they yeah. were on. It's just like, <laughs> that's a good I was point. like, wait a minute. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, a, that's an unfortunate realization which I've just come to. But, you know. Who knows? Maybe Roby turns out to be a number two or a number one. Yeah, they're all set to sign Logan Ryan next year after he gets released. From Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, the, the circle must continue. <laughs> so, so that's kind of like kind of sums up why we pick uh, Greedy Williams and also the fit too. 
And we didn't have a chance to take Byron Murphy because he was selected right ahead of Houston and going to Pittsburgh, which I think is, it seems like a really good pick. And then DeAndre Baker is on the board as well, too. And we picked uh, Grady over Baker as well, too. So, like, these are the three big quarterbacks uh, in this draft class are Murphy, Baker, and, you know, Greedy is what the internet tells me and the professional football scouting men tell me through the internet. So do you like Greedy the most out of the three or if Murphy is available? Would you like to see Houston go after him there? Uh, what do you think about the other two cornerbacks, the other two big two cornerbacks out there? Um, Murphy, hmm. To be honest, I would prefer Williams over the over the two just because of the physicality, and I believe his issues aren't so great that they can't be taught. And once they once they're combined with his physicality, I think that's what really makes him special. Murphy and Baker don't have that same kind of um, they don't have that same kind of recovery explosiveness and recovery quickness. Um, Murphy. Murphy has played a bunch of different. He played a bunch of different coverages at Washington, mostly centered around cover three, which is what they've been pretty much running for ever up there. Um, so his engagement in terms of at the line of scrimmage is varied. Um, it's not quite as engaging as Grady's is, but it's a little bit more, a little bit more relaxed. But he's still, you know, he's he's still pretty blanketing. Um, Personally, I I just I can't buy into the same, into him and Baker's physicality over Greedy's, and I just prefer I just like the I, I just like the fallback of if all else if all else fails, at least he's fast and he can kind of run with some of the quicker corners. Yeah, yeah, I haven't watched uh, Murphy yet. I'm going to try to tomorrow. I watched Baker, and Baker's like not think of an athlete. He ran, he ran a four five three. He's like kind of like skinny, but he's not. He looks tall, but he's actually not that tall. He's only five ten. I. Yeah, I know we I, we didn't mention it. I said we were going to mention it, but we never did. Uh, this idea that Greedy Williams is not physical. He's a physical corner when he's playing coverage and the ball's in the air. And then when it comes to tackling, yeah, he doesn't smash people. But it's not like he's an atrocious tackler. He just picks a side and dives that leg because he weighs 180 pounds. And he's tackling SEC running backs running at full speed and uh, big wide receivers running at full speed too. And it's like he's not he's not going to save you know save the season by... Um, being a great tackler, he's not Kareem Jackson, but I think he can be a, a competent of tackler. And again, he's a cornerback. You're not paying for tackling unless he's absurdly good at it. And the other thing about Greedy too, it's not like he's Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters doesn't want to play corner. He doesn't want to be on the field. He just wants to catch interceptions. <laughs> he doesn't want to tackle. He doesn't want to do anything like that. He lets receivers run past them. Greedy doesn't do that. Greedy like he goes after contact. He tries to make plays. He can slow guys down. He can make shoestring track tackles and shoe string tackles and those sorts of things. But uh, he's not going to be, again, he's not going to be Kareem Jackson. And so I think this idea that Baker's like a physical corner or whatever, it doesn't matter whenever he's not a good cornerback. And uh, and then Murphy I can't really speak on. But I do really like Greedy. I, w- I would be ecstatic if Houston took him at 23, even if, let's say, Dalton Risner was there. Or if, uh, let me, uh, you know, talk bad about some other offense tackles. Greg Little's there. Or Cody Ford are there. Yeah, I would, Grady's a much better pick, and he's a much better player than uh, those three guys. So once like the three big tackles are off the board, uh, you know, depending on how you feel about Caleb McGarry, uh, then it's kind of, which is just really me just talking about myself, uh, I think Greedy would be the, the best pick by far for pick 23. If the, if the draft was to break out this way, and even if it, there was a tackle available like, you know, Little or Ford or whoever, I think Greedy would be the, the correct pick of this ball as well too. Yeah, and I think that's 
that's some like the two two points I kind of want to make. I think we as as a collective fan base are spoiled by having Green Jackson because now we think every cornerback should tackle as well as him, um, which no corner does. That's why Green Jackson's so special and why he's so so good at it. Um, also, I think the reality of the board falling the way it has in terms of having the top three tackles off the board means. Yeah, we shouldn't go out of our way to reach for a tackle, even though it probably is our is is the biggest um, is the biggest issue currently right now in the Texans roster, especially when you have a very talented player at another position which is just as dire in terms of future prospects. So it's like, yeah, this makes a ton of sense. It like, and it's not we're not we're not trying to talk ourselves into a player that we were like, eh, I'm not quite there. It was like, yeah, we like greedy. We like what he brings. Let's just do this and have at it. We can try and find a tackle or another offensive lineman later on the draft. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I was about greedy too, before we take a quick break is that as a, a 1990s person, I guess like as a, as a developing creature in the 1990s who loves Bush and still kind of loves Bush the beer and uh, and not the male body, I guess. Uh, they had a song that called Greedy Fly that came out in the 1990s. And it, it rocks, it slams, it hits. And so also I love the idea of like Houston drafting a cornerback who could be really good that I can just call Greedy Fly for like the next seven years. Like I'm all for that. And uh, I love the name and I love, I love the idea. So I'm, I'm all in on, on uh, Greedy Fly for the Texans in the first round this year. Hey. Unless, like, Juwan Taylor's there. I mean, yeah. No, if, if again, the, the caveat with with this selection is just, like, if any of the three, ta- three tackles that we really like are there, it's just like, yeah, we're picking them in a heartbeat, and, that's, and that's, that's, not, that's not a debate. Yeah. All right, so we'll take a, a quick break, and then we'll go over, I guess we'll talk about some of the other cornerbacks you like, answer a very important uh, listener question, and then we'll uh, get on, get on the, the saddle, cowboy. All right, and we're back. So... I know you mentioned earlier in the in the pre-show introduction. I guess the the pre-game. I guess it's not really even called the pre-game. The pre-production meeting that we had uh, with the with the studio executives is that you said you do think there's a lot of depth to this cornerback class. So even let's say you know Greedy isn't there or Houston does draft a tackle in the first round, that you do like a lot of the cornerbacks that could be available in the second round, the third round, and I don't know maybe in the fourth round depends on what you think. But uh, so what are some other cornerbacks that you like aside from Greedy? That could be could be available in the second and third rounds if Houston does decide to go offensive tackle in the first round. Okay, um, so when I'm trying to scout out for corner prospects that I want to look at, I tr- what I go back into is just as, just as a starter um, in terms of what the Texans usually kind of look look at for corner is I look at players like Kevin Johnson, players like AJ Boye, and try and typify the skill sets that are good for corner for cover four in the system that Romeo Cornell runs. And I start looking at testing numbers. So combine stuff. Um, the two tests, which I really like, like to pick out are three cone drills, which are the short space or sorry, the essentially you run a little, little round. You're trying to change a direction, change of quickness, essentially. And a 20 yard shuttle, which is a, I believe it's a back pedal, constantly switching direction, checking the corner's hips, seeing how quickly they move from one spot from one spot to another. And this is kind of what's important for the Texans cornerbacks because they have to be able to read, react, jump on a right as, as fast as they can, 
and also be able to maintain very fluid hip movement so that they can change direction very fast. Now, some of the corners that I've been looking at in regards to that have been guys like Isaiah Johnson out of Houston, who has just an absolutely nutty broad jump, and his like his height and his height and wingspan in particular are just eagle esque. Like he has got amazing potential over in terms for just blocking passing lanes. But also his three cone and his twenty and his twenty yard shuttle are really quite excellent in terms of their time. They're above average in terms of uh, percent or sorry the percent percentile of against all other corners who have been measured against uh, or sorry who have been tested at the combine. So his three cone is uh, fifty is in the fifty fifth percentile and his twenty yard shuttle is in the sixty seventh. Um, so like Johnson Johnson's a kind of corner that I look into along with like Justin Lane in Michigan State. Um, Lonnie Johnson, Kentucky, and Derek Thomas of Baylor in particular. All these guys have like weirdly freakish athletic traits who also, you know, have certain who measure quite well in some of the Texans, or sorry, in some tests which the Texans kind of would look towards for a cover four corners. So those those names in particular would be some of the ones that I'd be curious about in regards to the second or third round selections for the Texans. Uh, okay. How do you like this uh, Amani guy from Penn State? He is he is one of the ones that I'm not quite as well versed on in terms of coverage. I mean, uh, let me just find what I can here for a second. Um, in terms of his testing, um, sorry, I should have this up ahead of time. In terms of his testing, he profiles as being just a really good height, weight, speed guy. Um, his 40-yard dash shows really good coverage speeds. It's surprisingly enough for a corner, he actually has really, really good upper body strength. So I'd be curious as to see what that manifests in terms of press co- in terms of press coverage, um, especially on press man, whether or not he's a full-on bully because he possesses that kind of um, style. I do think maybe he could almost double as a box safety in particular, considering his athletic profile, but I'd have to check more. I'd have to watch a little bit more tape on it, on him in order for me to kind of get a, get a better idea. But he profiles a lot like guys like Quinton Chammer and Antoine Roll. So, you know, hmm. potential, potential safety um, in the making there. And that's not a bad thing because, you know, he's still incredibly athletic. So he could, he could have found there. Yeah. I always like the name Quinn Jammer. There's also a cornerback in this class from Boston College. His name is Hamp Cheevers. Hamp Cheevers. Hamp oh, that, Cheevers. That's good. There's also another corner by the name of Rocky Sin. Yeah, Rocky Sin's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Um, this, this is this is another. This is a pretty good year for just names as a whole in the corner class because we've got Amani, Rocky Sin. Uh, what was the name of your guy there for a second? Uh, Hamp Cheevers. That honestly sounds fake. And. Uh, <laughs> And finally, we've got Greedy Williams. So you know, it's a it's a pre- it's a pretty good name draft uh, above above all else. Yeah, the the one guy like I said, I'm kind of elementary into watching the corners. Greedy's the one guy I watched really well. I watched Andre Baker, and you know, I don't think enthused is the right word. Like, just like it's like a Green Day song. Just you want to jam your eyeballs out in the middle of summer because <laughs> you have nothing to do uh, watching him. But there's Michael Jackson from uh, Miami. Like, his numbers, like, whenever targeted in 2017, 2018 were absurd. So, in his career in Miami, he averaged, he allowed only a catch 39.6% of the time, allowed five yards of target, had uh, four interceptions, dropped zero interceptions, only allowed two touchdowns. He broke 18 passes. He uh, had 
uh, expected points added and targeted of negative 39.8. The number is negative 29.7 in 2017. Quarterback rating when targeted was 23.1. He only missed 11 tackles. And, uh, yeah, he was really good. He played a lot of man coverage. He didn't blitz very often. Uh, man coverage, he only allowed 4.2 yards a snap. Playing the slot 26% of the time. But, yeah, uh, Michael Jackson seems like a guy that is going to be really good, maybe. I don't know. I need to watch him first. But he's the one guy like I'm really excited to actually go back and watch. And I guess also this uh, Isaiah Johnson guy, too, you kind of sold me on him. Yeah. Uh, again, just, just a quick word on Mike Jackson's athletic profile. It is uh, quite quite similar to Jalen Ramsey in that his vertical and broad jumps are both ridiculous, much like Jalen Ramsey's. Uh, his 40-yard dash is at 4.45. Um, his 20-yard his twenty yard shuttle at his three-cone. His three-cone is less so, but his 20-yard shuttle is... Absolutely excellent, and from just the numbers that were that you listed off there in terms of charting, that sounds otherworldly for a corner. And it's really surprising that we ha- that I haven't heard more about him in the pre-draft process. And I'm again, him, Isaiah Johnson, and a couple others are going to be some of that I'm going to be watching over the next couple of weeks, because ideally, corner if it if it's got some potential down down this end. Um, should would like would probably be what you would spend the two second round picks on hopefully um and especially if there's these kind of like athletes at the in the second round then yeah by all means take a flyer on it because it's a lot but it's a lot or sorry it's better to take flyers on these guys especially considering the texans the texans do have players who could just step in and play corner right now in terms of Brian body Calhoun and bradley roby um that you can kind of just let these guys who are a little bit more raw potentially let them develop for a little while longer rather than just like using your first round pick on a really raw tackle just because you need a tackle more than anything else so i think there's a little bit more depth here and there's a little bit more uh there's a more of an area for value in terms of these corners i believe yeah okay yeah that makes sense uh so i guess the the last question i have for you before we answer this very important viewer question is that like what would be the ideal texans draft situation like in the first two rounds, like what what are you hoping for now that we are, you know, I guess like nine days away from it all? Okay, ideally, ideally we would be looking at either Andre Diller, Diller, Jawan Taylor, or Jonah Williams as being the first pick. They're Texans' first pick. Ideally, that wouldn't cost any pick, any additional picks to move up in order to accomplish. But in reality, chances are it's going to have to happen that way if the Texans want one of the three tackles. Um, for the second round, depending on how it would look, I would like the Texans to kind of double dip on corners. So if we go tackle first round, double dip on corners, so there's built up depth there, and you're just like, and if you're saying, well, that leaves the Texans with like five or six corners, the NFL is becoming an increasingly more and more pass driven league. It's very, very like you. We even saw with the San Diego Chargers playing seven defensive backs at one point. It's very beneficial for the Texans to, or for for teams as a whole, to be loaded up a corner, especially considering the Texans' histories with injuries, which Aaron Colvin and Jonathan Joseph are, you know, possibly susceptible to. So having depth at corner is one of the more important things in the league. So I'd be totally up for double dipping, especially on a position two, of which the Texans don't have any future depth. So you know, build that whilst you still can. Yeah. My, uh, my my ideal scenario, I think, would be to take Greedy Williams in the first round of 23, then take Caleb McGarry, play right tackle, 
in the second round with either pick or even you know trade up maybe a third. Other than they even have a th- yeah they have a third trade up a third to move up in the second round grab Caleb McGarry and then use your third second on either another cornerback like you know who knows maybe Isaiah Johnson's good maybe Rocky Singh's good I don't know maybe Michael Jackson's good I don't know or even add an interior rusher at that point as well too because that's the other big need that Houston had this offseason. they of course uh, woefully ignored and completely you know, uh, screwed up on. So that's what I'm hoping for, though. And now that we're getting close to draft, is I want, I want, I'm all in on Greedy round one. I'm all in on Caleb McGarry round two. And uh, nothing can, can stop this from happening. Also, I still want to see Julian Davenport play one more full season left tackle before I give up hope on him. He's like, he's my white rhino, you know. He's the one who can't get away from me. <laughs> yeah, you, you, are, you are Captain Ahab being, dra- being dragged off to sea by Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, that, that's kind of that's kind of what I'm imagining. It's just you screaming. It's just like I know he can do it. I know he can do it. Yeah, um, if, we'll if, sp- if Julian Davenport plays well, I'm gonna spend all. And if he starts to left tackle, I'm gonna spend all of next year, all of, I guess the end of this year, just ruining my entire year, just on Twitter, just telling everybody who says Julian Davenport, oh look, he's good. I would say I told you, and I'm gonna spend my entire year doing that, and making understand. sure that they know, they know. I- I am so excited for this new niche in your Twitter career to uh, to begin. Just I'm, I told you so, Twitter, the worst Twitter out there. <laughs> just even that it's like told you so, Twitter, and then there's I told you so about Julian Davenport's left left tackle for the Houston Texans, <laughs> or uh, AJ Boyish of the franchise tag. I told you so, Twitter. Oh, or, that's the best uh, Twitter. That's a really good one. And now it's uh, Jadavian Clowney should not be traded. It's very dumb to even say that. I told you so, Twitter as well too. That's a good one yeah. also. Yeah, that well, that one that one's going to be a very very interesting one for the next couple of weeks. I'm actually pseudo curious as to what you th- whether or not you think the Texans should burn any of the first two round picks on a running back. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I I mean, like just sign T.J. Yeldon, you know. He accomplishes pretty much the same things as, as Alfred Lamar, Blue as Lamar Miller. <laughs> you know, he's just like a worse version of Lamar Miller. Uh, I mean, I think it just like gets him on the fourth round. I don't know. I'm sure there's somebody from a m who's fast enough or something. Yeah, I mean, like, plus, like, I just, I just, I just fear that we end up with a, with another like Tyler Irvin pick, and Bill O'Brien's just like, he's at he's at the preseason press conference discussing these draft picks, and he's just like, yeah, we were thinking about using this guy as like a pseudo wide receiver again, and just like, oh no, not this again. Yeah, and the Tyler Irvin thing still kind of makes me mad, like of all things to be mad about, but Irvin was a good running back at San Jose State. Like, he had that yeah. game against Auburn, and you're like, this guy's 5'10", he's dragging the pile and, like, making linebackers miss and stiff-arming uh, cornerbacks and all sorts of things. It's like, yeah, this guy can run the ball well. And then he goes mm-hmm. to Houston, it's like, oh, yeah, we won't let him do what he's best at running the football. Instead, we're going to try to turn him into, like, some, like, NCAA 2007 Reggie Bush that only works like a PlayStation 2, but not in reality. Yeah, just something which is completely devoid of reality or just, you know, so... So ingrained into a system that you can't imagine anything outside of that system. Yeah. But, you know, that's well, nothing, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, we got one last question. I, I, the idea here was to do like a 20-minute podcast, but nothing ever goes as planned. Uh, so we had a really great viewer, listener, reader question. It said, should the Texans trade up for Andre Dillard? And he said he's pretty much resigned him, resigned himself to the fact that this is exactly what he wants Houston to do. Yes, I w- it doesn't matter whether it's Dillard, Taylor, or Jonah Williams. The, those three are literally interchangeable with me. I have no particular preference of one over the other. 
yeah, the Texans should probably do that more than anything else, and I that is what I hope the Texans do do. <laughs> do um, end up doing on draft night. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, I had to, I had to check myself and not laugh there. Um, that's what that's what that's what I think is going to happen. Um, I would adore for you know one of those tackles to fall to the Texans to twenty three, and they don't bring any draft picks, but. You know, I, I'm I'm kind of set on the reality of just like, yeah, we're gonna have to trade up. So, I'll t- I'll, I'll take I'll happily take Andre Dillard with the with the pick to trade up. What? So like, let's say you have to trade to like twelve. What are you giving up to move up to twelve? You're giving up, I guess, this year's first and maybe a second round this year's draft to go up to get Dillard, which would be hilarious because it's like they traded Dwayne Brown to get the second round pick that they just use to trade <laughs> up to get another tackle who's not gonna be as good as Dwayne Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I listen. The Dwayne Brown trade was bad. See, I think at this point you just try and do anything you can to fix it. So no, we just we just move on very quickly and forget about all this bad stuff. I think a first, a second, and a fourth gets it done. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I don't. I don't like. I really like Dillard. He's a he's he's the best pass blocking left tackle in this year's class. Dylan Williams is the best all around tackle in this year's class. But I think he like he's kind of maxed out. Uh, his body, so he's just gonna be like you know good for a long time. I think he's never gonna be like spectacular, and I think Juwan Taylor's kind of a wild card, or I think he's gonna be good right away. But I think he has a chance. Like it, it just seems like he can be better. Where Jonah Williams just seems like he has perfect technique, technique and all this, and it's not gonna get any better at all for him. Um, so I don't know. I, I again, I would take greedy one. I wouldn't trade up, and then I would if I was gonna trade up, I'd trade for the second round take Kale McGarry. That's it for me. Like that's all. I'm uh, I'm writing that down in my journal tonight, or my diary, I should say. Dear diary, this is what I want, and then uh, creating a vision board of it. <laughs> I am I am curious it, of any of outside of the four because I know you adore Caleb McGarry. Outside of any of those four, which one would you be most comfortable with the Texans selecting, and in what round would you be okay with them? Uh, I mean, I I I think all. All three of those tackles are going to be taken in the first 15 picks. So, like, Jonah, J. Juan Taylor, and Dillard on me go in the first 15 picks. Like, the one that I really like is Dillard to Carolina. I also, I like Jonah to Buffalo, and I like J. Juan Taylor to Jacksonville. Because I think, like, J. Juan and uh, – I always call him J. Juan. I feel like it's Jawan. I don't know. But uh, it's spelled weird. And then I think him and, like, uh, Robinson would be, like, a really good you know, tackle combination for a while. Like, Foles needs it. But I mean, for Houston, like I would, uh, no team is going to take McGarry in the first round. I think even the second round, I think like maybe around pick forty-four. Or so uh, it's just me just really liking him and kind of being crazy about him. But I would, I guess, I get the better answer to your question. I would say I do not want to see Cody Ford in the first round. I don't want to <laughs> see Dalton Risner in the first two rounds. I don't want to see Greg Little. Oh my! If they take Greg, Greg Little in the first round, I'm I'm burning stuff in New Braunfels, Texans, Texas, <laughs> and and. and Nobody's got any idea why at all, and I'll be just murdered on spot, you know. Nice, nice. So, okay, so we, we've got we've got a uh, nice plethora there of who we're not going to draft from. Please no to I'm burning stuff outside. Yeah, and that's where Greg. Well, I would say like I think I would throw Riz, if Risner's in the second round. I'm just I'd be just sad. You know, I would have to sit down and write this out actually. But uh, if any if Ford in the first round, Risner. Or four, I guess I should say this differently. Ford or Little in the first round and Risner in the second round would just drive me absolutely insane. <laughs> like, there's no way Mike Devlin can teach 
any of those guys how to play offensive line. Like all three of those guys need to learn how. Little needs to learn how to run block. Uh, Four needs to learn how to play not outside of a two point stance. Risner needs to learn how to play football completely, and Mike Devlin's not going to do any of those things. Yeah, and that's and that's one of the kind of key things to remember when drafting a tackle this year is just like you try to get the best person possible. So Mike Devlin doesn't have the mo or sorry doesn't have a loss that he can actually get wrong because uh, there is a there's a kind of a problem in Houston right now in regards to offensive line coaching um, and development in particular development of younger players has been uh, has been less le- less than optimal shall we say for the past couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah, I think Jonah Williams is Mike Devlinable. Mike, <laughs> he, can, he can survive Mike Devlin. Yeah. Is that what we're? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. what I'm trying to say here. All right, maybe okay. he's un Mike Dev- Devlinable. I don't know. I don't know. I have to think about which how that uh, prefix should go. He's not. He's not going to get deviled. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. can't. He can't get Devlin'd, I guess. All right. Well, that's all we have for tonight's show. Thank you for being on tonight, Luke, uh, to oh, talk about course. Greedy Williams. Maybe we can do another show next week and talk more about cornerbacks. If not. I mm-hmm. guess we could just kind of talk, uh, you know, the draft as we come into Friday. I guess when the draft works this year, it's round one Friday, round two, three Saturday, four through seven on Sunday. And um, and so, if anything, we can always do a show after the draft and talk about the guys the Texans actually took. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd be, I'd be totally down for uh, doing some after the draft stuff and, you know, Potentially, potentially pontificating on you know what should have happened instead of what has actually happened. Oh, which is the, our favorite thing in the world to do. So, oh, and, you <laughs> you won't believe the things that I'm going to say if they draft certain players. Uh, so, anyways, my name is Matt Weston. Thank you for listening, to Bob Radio, and thank you for being on the show tonight, Luke. More than a pleasure, man. Absolutely fine.